Welcome to the Wolverine Digest Podcast, the best spot for objective, authentic coverage of Michigan athletics. If you want open dialogue, honest opinions, and in-depth coverage of the maize and blue, this is the podcast for you. And now, here's your host, Brandon Brown, joined as always by Chris Bryler. Well, 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 coming to you live on a Saturday night. Um, Late one. Quite a bit later than normal. You know, I mean, that's what you do on a Saturday night. Um, You know, obviously, we we talked about shifting things a little bit here. Obviously, Friday night's podcast is always geared almost entirely towards the Saturday slate of games and Michigan's game and all that stuff. And with none of that really going on, we decided that last night, you know, with uh, with Michigan basketball playing a game tonight, we were like, "Eh, let's just let's just move it till after the basketball game. And then it just kind of slipped my mind that the Heisman ceremony was also tonight. Oh, yeah. Oh, by the way, Aiden Hutchinson's trying to win a Heisman, uh, trying to win a Heisman uh, trophy. Uh, he didn't. Bryce Young did, which was the expectation. Uh, Hutchinson finished second, though, which I think is noteworthy over the other two, uh, yeah. who, over two other two contestants who were both quarterbacks, Kenny Pickett from, uh, from Pittsburgh and CJ Stroud from somewhere. And, uh, you know, kind of played out how I thought. So I figured we, we'd start there talking about Aiden and the Heisman. And obviously, I was at the Michigan basketball game. We'll get into that next. We'll spend a good bit of time talking Michigan basketball. So if you want to do that, keep it locked. We'll get to that here shortly. Don't need to spend a ton of time on this Heisman stuff. But I wasn't able to watch it because I was at the basketball game. Then I was driving back. And Chris let me know that a couple funny things took place while that was going on. But first, first things first. Um, I don't know, man. You can't really. I don't, I'm not upset that he didn't win. I'm not surprised that he didn't win. But you, you did, you did read out the parameters for the award, and you could make a really, really strong argument that Aiden Hutchinson could have and should have won the award. He did not. Thoughts? Are you sad tonight, Chris? Uh, am I sad? No, but I, I would have. Obviously, I would have liked to have seen it go to Hutchinson for a number of reasons. A, I'm a Michigan fan, but B. Like you said, I, I read I read out the parameters of what they claim that you know the Heisman Trophy is about and what it represents, and you know I I just think it's just like it's kind of the same thing with the college football playoff there for a while, where when it's the same four teams over and over, it just kind of loses its importance, it loses its interest to the rest of the country, and I think when it's continuously quarterbacks or or you know certain skill players that are winning winning that award. You just kind of would like to see maybe when when a guy like an Aiden Hutchinson comes along that that you reward him for that. Like he clearly belonged in that room, and if he was on the field with any of those other guys, they wouldn't have belonged on the field with him, right? You would need help to to prevent Aiden Hutchinson from getting to you. So, I don't know. We've we've had the luxury of being able to watch him play week in and week out. For me and my money, and I, I said this question to you the other day. If I'm a Division One coach and I'm looking at all four of those guys on the stage, and I'm thinking to myself. Who am I going to build my football program around? It's hands down Aiden Hutchinson. And if if that's because I'm a home, I, I don't know, you know, call that what you want. I just think top to bottom, he's got the entire package and you would look, you would have liked to see him get it. Yeah. I don't think that's being a homer because I think you could take an unbiased national person and ask them the same question and you'd get the same answer. I don't know how you couldn't. I mean, the way he, 
affected every single play, the way he could wreck a game. And then you start to talk about some of those other things, the perseverance, the leadership, the hard work. And look, man, I don't I, – CJ Stroud, Kenny Pickett, Bryce Young, they may all be fantastic leaders in their own right and do all the right things. I don't really know. And that, that's kind of the point I wanted to make, and then we'll kind of move off of this. Um, it's kind of funny when you think about it. Like, so the Heisman voters – like you or I, in theory, could be a Heisman voter someday. We cover a Michigan program, you start to get a little notoriety, you start to write some national pieces, what you know, whatever. However, it happens, it's just dudes like you and me that are voting, voting on this thing. Members of the media and people who are involved. I think former winners also have a have a vote. So you know, there's a lot of people that go into the vote. And if you're in a if you're in a local market like you or I, for instance. I didn't watch Kenny Pickett play once this year. I didn't yeah. watch Bryce Young play more than just a little bit this year. I saw C.J. Stroud, obviously, against Michigan and you know Michigan State. and That's a Big Ten guy. That's an Ohio State guy, so there's a little bit more interest there. But, like, a lot of people who have a vote in the Heisman Trophy don't really get to dissect it or dive into it on a week-to-week basis. And so – it kind of does become a little bit of a popularity contest and it kind of does become like, which name do you know for the best, biggest, baddest team? And that's a little, that's a little disingenuous. And so, you know, the fact that I know the big, the big debate here in the state of Michigan is that, you know, Kenneth Walker didn't, didn't even make it to New York and like, dude, he should have like his, his season was outstanding on a team that wasn't very, wasn't expected to be very good. He very easily could have been there. Now, from a Michigan person standpoint, it's kind of hilarious that he wasn't and Aiden Hutchinson kind of. was down the stretch. But it, it just kind of proves the point that I, you know, I don't know really what for for what should be like the most prestigious award in college sports. It doesn't really, it doesn't really feel that way. And I think a lot of people, a lot of people kind of see it that way now that it's turned into more of a popularity contest and very, very much so a quarterback award. Cause like you just said, like if you're going to take one guy out of those four, yeah, Will, An- Will Anderson's another one for the, the linebacker from, from uh, Alabama, his, I mean, dude, when you put it down paper to paper, his stats are better than Aiden Hutchinson's at, in every category. Now, whether it was every single play or how important he was to his, his actual team and the defense that he's on. I mean, you you're splitting hairs, I think, there, but I don't know, man. It it does feel a little bit strange. It didn't play out any differently than I thought it would, but it sure would have been badass to see Aiden Hutchinson win the thing, man. I mean, that, that just would have been just icing on the cake for the rest of the season and everything that we've witnessed and everything that's gone with Michigan football this year. Yeah, I I, I agree. I mean, like I said, I, I thought top to bottom he was the most – complete most dominant player in college football and obviously it didn't work that way and and you know i think that that's just more incentive for him to to keep eating as the season goes on yeah i see people on here the next his next meal will be stetson bennett i mean the kid could have a he could have a long day he could how are have we a- looking connection wise out there it looks like it looks like we're you know sometimes you're you're skipping up a little bit sometimes it's, just let us know if, if there seems to be an issue yeah, for some reason the little Wi-Fi logo is popping up on my screen. I'm not sure why. I mean, I'm, is it because we're getting like? Are you getting 100 mile an hour winds where you're at? It's been it ridiculous is really all day. Yeah, it is. It is really windy here. It's it's not as bad as it was earlier today. But I, I did have a, I did have our uh, Wolverine Digest open in the background, and one of the auto, auto videos was playing. Oh, see there, it popped up again, and I don't have anything open now. 
So I'm yeah. not really sure. I'm not really sure why that's happening. Yeah, I apologize if the connection's not very good or if you guys can't really hear or see me very well. Yeah, it does say that some one of the guys is saying that my camera is messing up. It looks good on my end. I can usually tell when it's, when it's bugging out a little bit, so I do apologize for that. But we'll see if I have to jump out and let Chris carry it for a little bit and, and, and uh, <laughs> reverse our roles, <laughs> reverse our roles here from Otherwise, what we normally have to do. Yeah, you look uh, like you're doing all right now. Okay. All right. So we'll, we'll try to, we'll try to stick to that. Um, but yeah, obviously I was driving home. Chris gave me a call. Bryce Young won it. Hayden, Hayden second. We'll talk about it a little bit when we get on the pod. There it is. So look, he, he's, he's playing for a very big deal on, uh, at the end of the month. I'm sure he's not going to lose a lot of sleep over not winning the Heisman, but it would have been cool to see another defensive player at Michigan win the award. I mean, that would have been pretty special. And I didn't realize this. I was actually really surprised to see it. Um, first ever quarterback at Alabama to win the Heisman. Can't I, I can't believe that's never happened there before. But yeah, that's I mean, they've they've certainly had some good ones, but man, hey, we cannot listen, we cannot move on from the Heisman conversation without addressing oh, yeah. Desmond Howard's just <laughs> epic, savage burn of Stroud and the Buckeyes. I, I know when I saw the video, I had to go back. Like I, I was watching it live. Obviously there was a lot of banter. Like you were at the basketball game, so you didn't get to see it right up right from the gate, but they were kind of, you know, breaking each other's balls a little bit. And there was some banter going back and forth, but it just Desmond came in off the top rope with some, uh, with some dig at the old line, the, uh, the Buckeye offensive line. And it was exquisite. I put the video up on the winged helmet. If, if, if you haven't seen it yet, it's going to be on the Facebook page, but Man, I don't know. Just to have that, that collection of those guys, all of those Heisman Trophy winners, chopping it up and breaking each other's balls there on like live television, it was just, it was <laughs> awesome. It's what sports fans want and need and deserve. Yeah. So I didn't see it. But I see that it's all over Twitter, and you know, he said something. What was the exact burn he had? He he basically said so, because. Uh, because Aiden was next to CJ Stroud or something like that, or break it down. You saw it. I didn't. You so, so, so basically Aiden was, you know, the Desmond was asking Aiden, all four of the, the Heisman finalists were up on stage and Desmond had asked Aiden about, you know, you came back, you, you had some big goals, you know, what does this moment feel like? And Aiden was like, yeah, I came back. Obviously the big goal was to beat Ohio state. And obviously with Stroud standing, you know, not more than five feet away from him, it kind of made for an interesting moment. <laughs> and then I think it was, uh, it was Tebow that stepped in and was like, oh, 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 good thing Kenny Pickett is there in between the two because Kenny Pickett was in between Aiden Hutchinson and C.J. Right. Stroud. And that's when Desmond stepped in and said, yeah, I guess, you know, better Pickett than uh, one of his offensive linemen <laughs> who who just happened to get destroyed by Aiden Hutchinson. All that. It was, look, savage burn. I know that there's some people in the comments saying that ESPN is going to come after him. I don't know, man. Like, you look at what's going on in the uh -huh. world. Let the man talk talk a little trash. It was it was a bunch of bunch of athletes, Heisman Trophy winners, you know, performing at the highest level, standing on stage, having some fun. He he is he's not going to get suspended. He's not going to get. He's not going to have to make a public uh, apology. I would I would not be surprised if maybe he gets an email and says, "Hey, Des, a little more objectivity, a little less bias." Especially maybe like on on the. I think it's one thing on like the morning of game day when you're up there with Corso and he's putting puppet heads on and they're talking shit back and forth. But like the Heisman ceremony is kind of hoity-toity, right? It's a little stuffy in there. Which I is why I think it stood out so much. Yeah, I don't have a problem with it, of course. I think that's hilarious. And 
really quick and damn dude i mean for death to do that on that stage is pretty intense but it's great you're right dude i mean it's not like he's talking politics or race or something right. what yeah, are we he, talking about it's any great jab you know what and that goes for anything like when you talk michigan sports or you talk whatever like just always remember what you're talking about at the end of the day like it's sports it's rivalry it's fun it's supposed to be that way yeah i love talking uh, shit that's pretty that's pretty good. That's pretty good. I wish I would have seen it. I see that the video is all over Twitter. I'll have to check it out because yeah, I did great. not get a chance to watch it yet since I was coming back from the basketball game. So speaking of the basketball game, man, let's get into it. I was there. Well, let me break down my little day at the basketball game here. So wanting to go to the basketball game because they were using it as a big recruiting event, you know, trying to get some uh trying to get some eyeballs on who was there. You know, there were a couple prospects in town, a couple transfer targets in town. Um, I saw Will Johnson was in attendance to kind of, you know, be around some of the other guys. I saw Mike Tainer still, Roman Wilson, Mozzie Smith, some of the current players were at the basketball game, posting some of these guys, all of them hanging out. I wanted to get in there, get some photos of them, see him chopping it up with Josh Gaddis was there, Sharon Moore, Matt Weiss, Chris Bryant, a bunch of the staffers. I mean, it was a big group and they were having fun and they were at the basketball game, wanted to get in there, get a bunch of photos. Totally slipped my mind that it was an indoor event. Everybody was masked up. So didn't get any photos. I'm like, all right, well, that's not the end of the world. I'll watch the basketball game, do a little write-up afterwards. We'll still have a good time. Boom, Michigan loses by 10. Shit. All right, well, let me get ready. I'll get a hold of Chris. We'll go live. You know, it's always cool to be on location. Heisman ceremony. All right, I guess I'm driving home. Did not even need to go to the game. Was pretty much a waste of time the whole time. But no, I mean, uh, look, I love going to Chrysler. The atmosphere is always cool in there. But man, dude, that basketball team—they're—they're—they're they're not that good right now. They—they are—they are not a very good basketball team right now. They lost by ten to Minnesota, seventy-five, sixty-five, and that is a mediocre at best Minnesota team. Uh, that's not a team that's going to challenge for the Big Ten. They're probably not even going to finish in the top half of the Big Ten. They have a first-year head coach kind of rebuilding, trying to get things figured out. They don't have any any NBA guys on that roster that I noticed. I mean, they have some nice players. They had some size. They had some guys that did some nice things against Michigan. But to lose by 10 on your home floor after playing a pretty good game against Nebraska on the road, uh, not a good look, man. Now they're one and one in big 10 play and they just look busted. They, I mean, they shot three of 18 from three, Chris. I know you said you were kind of flipping back and forth between the Heisman show and the basketball game. I mean, dude, did you, I, I didn't even think I was going to be remotely talking about a loss tonight. I'm like, oh, I'll co-cover the game. It'll be cool. Some recruiting stuff. We'll just make a little night out of it. And it just kind of all fell apart all across the board. Yeah, well, for the same reason, it didn't really, you know, I was flipping back and forth, but we talked about it a little bit on the phone when when you were on the drive back to the house that I I feel like definitely Michi- the, the success of the football team is helping the Michigan basketball program right now because had it not been for the fact that Michigan is still gearing up to play in the first round of the college football playoff, if this was what all Michigan fans had was Michigan basketball at the moment – I think people would be losing their collective shit based on what's going on with the team and what they thought was going to happen preseason. I mean, if you go back, people were talking national championship, this team, you know, this team's ready to make a run. They're, they're young, but they're low. I mean, we were talking about, you know, guys that were projected to be one and done that all of a sudden don't look so one and done anymore. And so I think it's clear that 
this team isn't as far along as everybody expected that they were going to be. There's going to be some growing pains. And this is where Jawan Howard's really going to have to earn his money. Like things, things went pretty smooth there the first, you know, two, three years, but now you're at a point where you've hit a bit of a, you've hit a bit of a struggle. Maybe you've got to tinker with the starting lineup a little bit. I know you came out and you said that, you know, there, there could be a big shakeup option there. Something's got to change. Something's got to happen because if things continue as is, and the, the concern is that it's the same issues over and over. And I think you alluded to that in one of your articles. And I mean, shit, man, you were at the game. You saw it firsthand. Unfortunately, you had to deal with it. I mean, wh- what did you see? You, you, I think you hit it on the head right there. And it's what I, it's what I wrote as my little intro. It's the same issues. You can't shoot threes. Caleb Houston was like the number five, number eight player in the entire country. Like you said, looked like a one and done. He can't get his own shot. He's not shooting very well from the outside. The only time he seems to knock threes down is when he's wide open, like on a set shot. He's not hitting step back threes. He's not coming off curls and catch and shoot. Um, I, I mean, he, you know, Devontae Jones was, you know, fifth year, fifth year senior, former, you know, former Sunbelt player of the year. I don't know what you're going to get with him from possession to possession. I, I said this in the article, you know, one position he comes down hard drive to the basket, finishes through contact. And you're like, there, that's the big bodied, strong grown man, fifth year senior play. I need to see out of him. And then the next time down, He's dribbling out of the top of the key. He doesn't know what way he wants to go off a screen. He gets caught in the air. He throws a turnover. Uh, he, you know, he he had a he had a three point shot at a pretty crucial time in the game tonight, where he didn't have a defender within fifteen feet of him, and he bricked it. Like you're the starting point guard of a Big Ten team, you've got to knock shots like that down. If you don't, like I don't really know why you're out there. He, you know, he's committing kind of dumb fouls here and there. He had, I think, he had four fouls again tonight. He's not a good athlete. I mean, he'll tell you that. He's not very fast. He can't get off the floor. So it's just, I don't know, man. I don't know exactly what they're trying to find with him. It seems like Kobe Bufkin and and, uh, and Frankie Collins should get more minutes. Neither of them are playing very much. I know Frankie Collins came in just for a little bit tonight, kind of in um, in relief of, of Devontae Jones, but neither of them are getting a look. Musa Diabate is not a guy you can run your offense through. The guards in the wings seem afraid to dump it into Hunter Dickinson when he's posted. It just, it's just disheveled across the board. The, the, the defense is letting, I mean, dude, you, the guys that Minnesota had are not star players and they were going, a lot, yeah. some of them were going off. And so, well, you see, you see a lot of the fan base, you know, reverting back to it's a young team. I mean, how much you've seen it now firsthand, how much of the issues that you're seeing from game to game are the result of, do you think just, just, age they're just a young team or is it something different is it schematic is it a lineup is it you know is it, is it more like something you can pinpoint that doesn't attribute itself to just age i think it's a combination of all those things it's it's youth it's Devonte jones not quite fitting in how you thought he was going to maybe they asked him to change his game too much i mean last year juan howard asked mike smith to change his game in a major way and it worked it worked phenomenally it was perfect it was the perfect marriage he came in, he used to be like a volume shooter, you know, put it up 20 times a game. And I don't know if he shot it 10 times once all last year. He was a facilitator. He was a leader. He ran the offense. He got people involved. He'd shoot when he needed to, but it wasn't his job. And he did what he was supposed to do almost flawlessly. Now with Devontae Jones, he was the same kind of player at Coastal Carolina. He scored a lot. He was a volume shooter. And now that they're asking him not to do that, he's just not doing very good at this new role. 
And then you talk about some of the young guys that are still figuring it out a little bit. I mean, Musa Diabate, as I said, he's a freak show. He's got a ton of upside, but he's not a guy you can run your offense through yet. That's not right. his game. Kobe Bufkin's barely playing. Frankie Collins, hey, here, you're a true freshman point guard. Go run the team. That's hard to do. Um, and, and then, you know, Zeb Jackson's coming off of uh, the, the illness that kept him out for a while. You know, Terrence Williams, I think he can do a lot of good things for you. He's not a go-to guy. Brandon Johns is not a go-to guy. Even Eli well, Brooks does just about right. everything perfectly. He's not a go-to guy. They don't they don't really have that guy on this team. And I think we kind of knew I think we, I think maybe people were hoping that would be Caleb Houston because of the way he was built and he's six, you know, he's six eight, six nine, he can shoot it, he can do it all. And instead he's not really doing like any of that stuff. You know, struggling to get his own shot and getting getting blocked, like not regularly. I mean, they, they put him in the starting lineup for a reason right out the gate. Exactly. I think he was expected to be that guy, like you said, that can create it off the dribble, create his own shot, that instant offense. Like you need on any basketball team. I know that the, the team concept works and you can get really far, but there's going to be nights where you're just going to be off and you need to be able to put the ball in the hands of a guy who can create his own shot, get to the hole, instant offense, get to the free throw line that can do that. And it just doesn't seem like there's that guy on this roster yet. And you're right, Caleb Houston, I think he was the one that you expected to fill that role and and not quite yet. And, and maybe it is an age thing, but again, a lot of people were looking at him as the one and done type guy. And so far it, it, it might be that, but it doesn't quite look like it just yet. Yeah, and so now you, you now Michigan's one and one in Big Ten play, and they've got you know they get to go back to the non conference schedule a little bit, work some things out. They've got some winnable games coming up before you get into the real meat of the Big Ten schedule. And I think there I think there need to be some tweaks to the starting lineup because 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 whatever they're doing is not working. It's not the the spacing is off and the flow is not right and the roles on offense aren't there. I don't know if it's a you know Frankie Collins at the one, Eli Brooks at the two. Kobe Bufkin at the three and you put Caleb Houston down to the four and people might think like, nah, that's, yeah, I don't do Duncan Robinson used to play the four. All right. Caleb Houston can play the four. He can stretch the floor a little bit. He can fix the spacing because with Diabate in there, he's not an outside shooter. He's not a perimeter player. He's not a ball handler. So he, he really kind of gets in the way of everything Hunter Dickinson wants to do. He's, he's got a role. There's no doubt, but it might be, as Dickinson's backup at the five, you bring him in for a, like, if you start to shift some of these guys around a little bit and you find a little bit better role where, all right, you can tell Devonte Jones, look, you're going to go in and play 10 or 12 minutes, go in and score, go in and score every time down. If you can, if you foul two times, cool. You're coming back out in a little bit anyway, because as a starter, he's, I don't he's playing out of his, out of his comfort zone and he's fouling too much. The lineup's not working. I think that's I think that's pretty clear that the lineup is off by a little bit. So I think, you know, Juwan Howard needs to look in the mirror a little bit and try to tinker with this thing a little bit over the next couple of games and and see what he can figure out because it was just it was just ugly tonight. I mean, Michigan was up at halftime and then late, you know, mid midway, late way through the second half, all of a sudden Minnesota's up sixteen in Chrysler, man. And that's you not a Minnesota team. So you know what I think they need to do? I I I honestly think maybe they need to get Jim Harbaugh to coach the basketball team. Is that where we're at now? Is that is, is that what's happened? Isn't over that the last, funny? Over the last three weeks, we've gone. We, there's been like a almost like the the uh, the polar caps, right? Shifted yeah. on the earth, and everything changed. And now all of a sudden, Harbaugh's racking in championships, and Howard's basketball team is struggling. And I don't know how to make sense of it. We're going to Miami. 
I think, well, we'll be in Miami. I don't know. Well, yeah, we, we'll be in Miami. We'll be in Miami with bells on. Um, <laughs> and that won't be all. But yeah, man, I mean, it was uh, it was my first game of the season that I was in person for. And I'm like, damn, dude, I was hoping to see a win, you know, yeah. write a nice story coming out of it. Get back, talk about it on the pod a little bit. And instead, you know, they drop a, a they drop a game by 10 points to Minnesota. And I don't know. We'll see. The, yeah. So the three things that stuck out to me the most off the loss were the three was three point shooting. They went three of 18. Um, Devonte Jones trying to figure out exactly what he is and what he can give you. Because like I said, you see some good things. You understand why he was the Sunbelt player of the year. And you can, he, he also, I think maybe led the conference in steals multiple years and he gets some of those. He gets some steals. He's crafty. He's, he's sneaky, but he also gets fouls and he also kind of gets trapped. And sometimes his athleticism holds him back from being able to do what he wants to do. So I think you need to find a new role for him. And then the last thing was, uh, I, dude, I mean, Hunter Dickinson finished with like 19 points, I think, tonight. But the entry passes for him, like he's been visibly frustrated multiple times this year because he's working his tail off in the paint and getting position and he's got his hand up and he's ready. And the guards just look at him and then they swing it back around and they don't give him the ball. And that's really frustrating for a freaking All-American who came back to Michigan to dominate and he's not really getting that opportunity uh, enough. I mean, again, he had 19, so he played he played okay, but I, there's been too many times where the guards and the wing players could have just, you know, I think some other, uh, I think it was Tim McCormick earlier in the week or last week said, you know, this whole like fake a pass to make a pass is like one of the most basic skills in basketball is just gone. Like the guys don't know yeah. how to do a standard angled entry pass into the paint anymore and I don't know, man. There's been a lot of times where I've seen him post up and he's got position and he, you know, he throw. it's body language is easy to see when you're in the arena, man. And he's done that a lot of times this year. So, you know, it's not just people saying it from the outside. Hunter is certainly right. thinking it as well. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't know, man. I don't know if Juwan Howard can get it fixed, you know, quickly or at all, because there's, there's a lot to fix right now. I mean, you know, let, let me ask you this, Chris. I mean, uh, you know, there's a, <laughs> of course, you can, you can't go by what anybody says on Twitter or anywhere on social media. Are you going to ask me if it's time to fire Juwan Howard? Fire Juwan! <laughs> you see it already, and I'm like, good God, dude. No. Like, <laughs> we won a Big Ten title last year. Let's pump the brakes a little bit. But, I mean, what what would, like, a eighth-place finish in the Big Ten make you think, you know, coming off of a Big Ten see, title and – Here's here's what it makes me think. It, it's it's easier to take because Juwan Howard earned his buy-in. Now people can argue that it was with an, another guy's players or whatever the case may be. But when you come in and you win a conference championship, you earn your buy-in. You earn a little bit of slack. If you have an off year, I think I think Juwan Howard has at least earned the buy-in from the fan base that if things go a little bit sideways this year that we should trust the guy to figure it out. Now, yeah. if it looks like that next year, and if it looks like that the year after, and we get into a scenario where we're six years down the road and it looks the same, six years. then, then I, well, I just picked that number out of my head. But listen, but here's the thing, just an arbitrary number. But if we're, think about that though. If we're six years down the road and we're still seeing the same thing, then maybe it's okay to talk about that it's a problem. But right now he's earned the buy-in. He's won a conference championship. And I, you know what? I'm not panicking. I'm not calling for his head because I trust him to get it figured out. 
Yeah. I mean, he's, but if he doesn't, but if he doesn't, you better believe we'll be on his ass just like we would have for Jim Harbaugh. I mean, you, it's, it's a performance based business. Everything is based on performance. You got to win. I wouldn't call what we're doing on his ass right now, but I'm, I'm going to call out what I'm seeing and there's some things busted. And, And when you lose by 10 to Minnesota at home, like you need to talk about them and you can damn what, I mean, dude, Juwan is a he's an intense dude. He's yeah. he's shown that right. he's he's gonna be all right, and you can bet he's getting on some asses, including his own. He's he's probably not gonna sleep tonight. He's gonna be watching film. You ever he, seen that video of him in the weight room where he's like all sweaty and he's shouting at the players? An animal. Like, I never asked you to do nothing I do. Like he's just yeah. shouting it at no, I mean that's the kind of guy he is. Like he's already done it, he's won at every level. I I I trust him to get this thing turned around, but you're right. When there's things that need to be called out and talked about, you got to do it. There's a couple good questions coming in here, so we'll throw them up as we go. I mean, I don't think we're going to do the full hour tonight, fellas and ladies, if there are nah. any ladies in here, just since it's later. But um, we've talked about this one a little bit before from the YouTube page, Chris. How will, you lose, how will losing Hutchinson to the NFL affect the football team in 2022? I mean, a lot. you just got a lot of production to replace. You've got a leadership uh, element to replace. You've got the work ethic, the example that he sets, all of that stuff is really hard to replace. And we've talked about it. It's just going to be, you know, you try to find, you know, David Ojabo 2.0, you know, another guy who was expected to be better, but nobody saw him being as good as he was this year. You need to find that out of, you know, out of a Braden McGregor, out of a Taylor Upshaw, out of a Mike Morris, out of a Jalen Harrell. I mean, whoever, whoever it is, you just got to find, another guy to fill some of those roles. Are you going to find someone to fill it as well as Aiden did? Probably not. I mean, probably not, dude. The guy just finished second for the Heisman. He's about to be the number one overall pick in the NFL. Like, you're probably not just going to plug a new dude into that spot. But you, you've got to try to do it by a committee or at least hope that somebody, you know, can take a massive leap leap forward like Ojabo did this season. Yeah, see, well, I agree with Malachi. McGregor's got all the tattoos. He better be good. He's all tatted up. He's got like the sleeve. You better be a nasty edge rusher when you look like that. So, I mean, is it going to hurt? Yeah, obviously it's going to hurt. When you lose a guy who's, you know, the generally considered to be the number one overall pick, Heisman Trophy finalist, just the most dominant player in college football, you're going to feel that. You're going to feel that a little bit. But we've also talked about the fact that, like, you look on the offensive side of the ball, they're returning a lot. And then defensively, they've got some guys coming back that are going to have a ton of experience. They're not going to lose. We talked, what, Hutchinson, Ojabo, Dax, you know, maybe is like the the three guys that we think are going to have the, the biggest impact. But, I mean, this team now is at a point where now it's reload. You know, now you're you're into the point where the, you're seven years in, you've got your program, you've got your players, you've broken through, you've won a Big Ten title, you're in the college football playoff. This is where now you go from like flash in the pan to now you're a legitimate college football pl- program is that you do it again the next year. And, and that's going to be the task. And I think they can do it. But yeah, it's a significant loss for sure. All right. If you had to roll out your your front four and they, they did kind of a four, sometimes a three with, you know, Jeter played in the middle and even Jeff Spate played. But Mozzie Smith, Chris Hinton kind of rotated that middle section. If you had to start two guys on the edge right now without Ojaba, without Hutchinson, who are you throwing out there? I know who I would put out. Uh, I'm saying uh, Jalen Harrell's looked really good the past couple weeks. He's who I Mike Morris. Mike Morris is is in that for me. He's gotten a lot of significant minutes. He's looked good. Jalen Harrell, uh, Braden McGregor. Haven't seen a lot out of him at this point, but I mean, 
shit, when he was coming out of high school, everybody was real excited about this kid. And I knew that he had the significant injury there, but that's probably where I'm going to go at this point, just based on what I've seen latter part of the season. I go with Mike Morris and Jalen Harrell on both sides and they look like they can bring it pretty good. That's exactly who I would put. I would put Jalen Harrell, Harrell or Harrell. I'm not sure. Harrell, Harrell. He's who I would put in there for Ojabo, a little bit more athletic, a little twitchier, can can probably use some of those same kind of speed finesse moves. And then Mike Morris, who's even bigger than Aiden Hutchinson, but not as bendy, not as athletic, but can can certainly hold the edge there and get some things done. So that's that's who I would go with. And so you've got those two guys and a couple others with a full year of getting better, getting stronger, getting more familiar with Mike McDonald's scheme. And then yeah. you're going to have to replace a guy like Josh Ross, but they've got some good young linebackers coming up. And you're going to have to replace a guy like Brad Hawkins and Daxton Hill, probably. So, you you know, they're going to have some holes to fill on defense. There's no doubt about it. Offense is going to be much more complete top to bottom. Um, but they're, they're going to, you know, they're going to have to have some younger dudes step up. I think we saw a lot of really good things out of Rod Moore as a true freshman. He's probably my Junior surprise. Colson. Yeah. yeah, Junior Colson. He was, I think he was expected to play and play a sure. good bit and be be solid. I don't, I don't know if I thought Rod Moore would even see the field this year. Because I remember when they released when they released the the official roster, he was the smallest player on smallest non walk on player on the team, Rod Moore. And I'm wow. like, I, you know, he's just not going to be ready yet, and they're not going to need him either. They've got Makari Page who played a bunch last year, and they got Dax, and they got Where Brad is Makari Page. Suddenly, here's R.J. Moten playing a ton, and here's da- that's, here's uh, that's another name I did not see R.J. Moten coming at all. So. so you know, you've gotten some good things out of some of those young guys and you'll see, you know, a lot of this is really hard to figure out too, because everybody has this extra COVID year, but that doesn't mean that everybody's going to come back just because they can. That's, that's where your roster management comes into play and where your, your coaches, t- you know, put their armor on you and say, we love you, son, but it's time, time to, to go. hit the trail. I mean, that's a tough conversation and they're going to have to have that with some of these guys. So yeah, like the corner spots, you know, Vincent Gray, that's a kid that's a senior. I think he he can come back, but like, you know, we'll see. We'll see what that ends up looking like, and that's going to be interesting for quite a few dudes back there who can come back, but just because they can doesn't mean they're guaranteed a spot, so we'll see. I wanted to throw this up there, too, because I think this has been a this has been a hot-button topic, and I think this somebody, of course, was like, John Harbaugh was talking straight to you, Brandon. I'm like, okay, first <laughs> of all, John Harbaugh doesn't know who I am. Second of all, if you think I have that much pull, thank you. I don't, but uh, it's not a thing. I have met John Harbaugh, though. He's a nice guy. Um, He said, and I quote, I might not get the words exactly right, but Jim Harbaugh's my brother's always been a great coach. The local media there who didn't think so, back in your face is basically what he said. In your face! Now... I don't want to do the dick thing because Jim Harbaugh and his staff were outstanding this year. I mean, the dude just won it the AP coach of the year. Like, let's let's call it what it is, dude. He did he did something that's never been done before and un, took an unranked team and now has them in the playoffs. Never been done. It's outstanding, incredible accomplishment. But John, like, you can't really do that when everything that was said about him at the time was completely justified and completely on the mark, right? Like through six years, you weren't saying this. You weren't you weren't standing up there saying, my brother's coach of the year, man. Give, he's the best coach in the college. You weren't saying that because you couldn't say it. So I, I just, I found it a little bit funny. Um, 
but that, you know, that's people like to do the hindsight thing and they, you know, nobody predicted them to go 12 and one and be in the playoff and beat Ohio state and win the big, big 10 this year. So it is what it is. I don't know. I stand by everything I ever said about the guy. Here's, here's, here's what I'll say. If we go from this year into 2022 and Michigan loses to Ohio state five times in a row, I will be saying the same damn thing. It's time to go. I'm not going to apologize for the fact that I thought five five losses in a row to Ohio State was a fireable offense. That was just one of the many things that we would go back to and look at the record. And I hate – see, the thing is, I don't even want to talk about this because I'm in such a good mood about the right, fact that it finally happened. We're all happy about it. But then you got these yahoos who want to pull, they don't even see the irony in pulling six years worth of receipts. Like I see online, like we're going to start pulling receipts. Like, do you realize it's six years worth? Like that's a long time. If you have to pull that many receipts, maybe there's a reason why there were so many receipts. So kudos to Jim Harbaugh, hell of a job. This football team, I mean, based on what these guys did, this has been one of the greatest years of my life. Like the things we've gotten to experience and see firsthand, I never, I didn't think I, I was quite certain I would never see the Michigan Wolverines in the college football playoff ever. So we get to experience that this year. I am grateful for the work these guys put in, but I'm sure as hell not going to listen to some blowhard on Twitter. Talk to me about like, well, see, look, we finally got it done because a, you didn't have any part of that. Your unwavering fandom had no part of that. I, I just, I don't understand it. Like our job is to discuss what happens. And again, if I come, if I come at the beginning of every season with a twelve and zero prediction, I'm I'm just not very good at the job, right? You just have to look at things objectively, and sometimes that means being an asshole, and a lot of people can't handle that. It's the blind squirrel finding a nut thing. It's fine, dude. Like, it's but a, I wouldn't it, even I wouldn't even call Harp. Like, I get the energy, no, no, but I, yeah, I meant more as the people saying that kind of thing. Exactly, exactly, and it's not you know. Uh, they did it against all odds. They got the job done. I, I love them for it. I just hate the people that all of a sudden want to get up on a soapbox and for some odd reason, take credit for it too. It's like you had nothing to do with that. Nothing. And I'm glad that I'm glad that people are happy and they should enjoy it. Some random person tweeted at me, you, Steve Dace, who used to work with me at the Wolverine digest, Chris Ballas, who I used to work with at the Wolverine and, and, uh, and Doug Skeen, former player, former like all Big Ten lineman at Michigan, who was just critical of the lack of success. A person's really going to take a shot at Doug Skeen, who sweated and ble- and bled in the winged helmet, and say, Coach Har- Coach John Harbaugh was speaking directly to you. And I thought your response was on point, man. He said, you said, there's nothing more pathetic than saying, I told you so after seven years. I couldn't be happier for Jim and the team and everything that they've accomplished, but people like you make it difficult. You're a groupie. We get paid to discuss the results. Try harder to understand the difference. And I think that's spot on. I There's think a difference between on. fans and people that cover the team and like people that want to get on our ass about like, see, see, like I can't look when, when the team goes two and four, like I have to talk about two and four and what that means. That's just the way yeah. it works. I can't, right. you know, I can't. It's not our job to polish a turd. If it's a turd, it's a turd. This is this is a couple really good points here from a couple listeners I want to throw up. And again, it feels like, why the hell are we doing this? They're in the playoff, man. Why are we talking about this? Because some fans feel that it's more important to throw old things up in your face when at the time they were fine. 
And like, yeah, dude, now I'm not saying those things. Have you noticed? Have you noticed me saying anything like that now? No, but it's almost like you're not allowed to change. You're not allowed to change your viewpoint based on new information. It's like, we're still supposed to hate. It was never even a hate, but we're still supposed to want the guy fired after he's achieved what we expected him to achieve. Like it makes no sense. Like anyway, this is a great comment. Even this season, a month and a half ago, after they lost to Michigan state, not one fan thought they would beat Ohio state and win the big 10, not one. So like Chris just said, you get new information, new things happen, new results, the team improves to get, I mean, and so now you, you, you're allowed to change like, damn, a month ago, I didn't see that, but now look at what they're doing. Now look how this team is playing. I mean, it's, it's, it's not that weird to do that. You get new information, you see new developments and you change your line of thinking a little bit. Like I've said this before, if people knew exactly what was going to happen every year, nobody would work. You just bet on sports all day and everybody would get paid every single game and you would know exactly what's going to happen. It's, it's, it's no, weird. no. See D Brown, D Brown. That's where you're wrong. That's where you're wrong because we're allowed to form an opinion based on the results. If we cover a team, we, we can absolutely use our platform to say, I believe this coach should be fired based on these results, based on what we believe the standard is at the University of Michigan. Now, you don't have to agree with that. You don't have to think it's right. But certainly our, our part of our job in the media is not only to, to look at what's happening, but then to sort of put that together. And what does it mean? And what does that look like? So again, like you, you're more than welcome to read and follow and listen to whatever you want. But at the end of the day, I do, we just we don't have it in us to like try to paint a picture to you guys where you know it's going to be bullshit or you know it's going to be smoke and mirrors. Like if a game looks just like just like with the basketball game, like if it looks like shit, it's okay to talk about that. It looks like shit. And if it looks like shit for a long time, it's okay to talk about that too. And when somebody finally gets the job done, when somebody finally comes through and does what you've expected them to do, it's okay to change your opinion and your line of thinking and and give that person credit for that. This idea that we all just have to stay in the same line of thinking just drives me crazy. Yeah, it's it's weird. I mean, I don't I don't know why people have such a problem with that, but you know, it is. Um, it, it is the way that it is, and it's it's why it's why over the course of the 2020 season that I hemorrhaged followers on Twitter because people just did not want to hear what I had to say or think about Jim Harbaugh. I mean, like, dude, D Brown. You can go on to ESPN and look. I don't care what you think of ESPN or the talking heads on there, but every single day you can on NFL Live or whatever, you can hear them talking about like Matt Nagy's doing terrible at Chicago. He should be fired. Why the hell would you say you can't say that? Like you're a you suck at your job if you're not saying that. Like if I think it and I don't say it just because I'm worried about what people might think, I'm not doing my job. Like and I, I've said this before, people that I know quite well in this market will sit up in the press box and tell me, yeah, Michigan's probably going to get their ass kicked, but that's not what I wrote in my article. Well, what, what are you doing? I've, I've literally heard it firsthand and I've turned to Brandon and said, it's amazing because you'd never hear that in the article. And it's it. So guys, just because look, if you're not hearing it from whatever outlet you're following, it's just because they know that you're not interested in hearing it. It's not because it's what's yeah. actually happening. So again, some of these conversations are going to be, uh, they're not going to be pleasant. They're going to be uncomfortable. But I think that's part of like why what I feel like what we do works because we're willing to have those conversations. And if it comes at a cost, it comes at a cost. But at the end of the day, 
it, look, if somebody sucks, it's okay to talk about that they're sucking. This is a results-oriented business. People are getting paid a lot of money to do these jobs, and fans get paid a lot of money to participate in it every single year. So it's okay to hold people accountable. The, the, I, the, I, I just I don't understand why there's. I want to throw this up from Cody. That. He says that I was one game away from being correct. If Jim lost Ohio State, everything I said was correct. It's not even about that because I don't. I'm not going to do the if game either. That's what I thought at the time. I was right about some stuff. I was wrong about some stuff. Now Michigan's twelve and one and playing in the playoff, and that's I, that's that's so, what it is. I, so I had them. I had them at nine and three at preseason, which seemed like that was on the higher end of what you were seeing out there. Mm -hmm. Was that overly optimistic or now that we're here in this part of the season, did I not give him enough credit? Does it even matter? That's the thing. Like none of this stuff matters. This, this need to want to like use your social media platform, like you in the general sense to go out and <laughs> give yourself credit for your unwavering support. It's just a weird thing. It's an, yeah. it's an odd thing. And one, th I mean, D Brown, like if you cover a team, you report the news. Like I personally think that providing an opinion is the most important entertaining part of sports media. I mean, like, dude, if we just got on here and talked about the box score and then shut it off, like what the, uh, who the hell cares? Who cares about just honestly, that's that I think is where Chris and I have been able to separate ourselves from a lot of people in the market. I can send a trained watchdog to go to the press conference and record it and transcribe the quotes and regurgitate it up into a story. I don't want to, I don't care about that. That's boring. That's lame. And it's not fun to write about. And it's not fun to read. I'm going to do what we do. Look, if we, if we all went together and went out and grabbed a beer and started talking about stuff, that's the kind of stuff we're trying to bring. That's what that's it's the supposed kind of to stuff be. I want to yeah. talk about. That's the kind of stuff I want to write about. Um, and, and like, honestly, that's where a lot of you know, me and Chris will just get on the phone and we'll start talking like, and another thing, this bullshit. And then we'll both be like, <laughs> it's not an act. This is just how we, this is how we communicate. We, we That's communicate with right each there. other. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, you know, like there's so many times we'll, where we'll be talking about something. We'll both just start laughing and be like, That's a story. We're here's, do here, right. Here's what I hate. And it goes back to what, and we've talked about this a lot is that, you want to be happy for this team and you want to be excited and happy for Jim Harbaugh and everything that they've accomplished. But there is a certain segment of this fan base that just makes it so damn difficult to be happy because they, they struggle to understand what the nature of the job is. And if, and if a team is not a team or a coach or a player is not holding up their end of the bargain, it's okay to have a, a, an honest conversation about what that looks like. And if they are, it's okay to do the same thing there too. So like, Stop being so soft. <laughs> no, I, D Brown. I'm not. I know you don't know me, but if I'm angry, it'll be clear. I'm not angry. It's just you know. No, we're talking. Little banter, little back it's and cool. forth, little jabbing, little ball breaking. Trust me. And I've seen Chris angry too. You'll freaking know when he's angry as well. <laughs> it's a scary thing. The scary thing. We're not angry. It's just you know, it, it it comes up a lot, and it I think it's worth discussing. Uh, legitimate. We're passionate. We're fans. Not that those other ones weren't legitimate, but a little bit more on topic, on point. Do we think that Josh Gaddis will stay now? It kind of seems like it. I mean, yeah, there's not that, really another job open right now. The the Duke job is filled, and the Virginia job is filled. Both of those were kind of in his wheelhouse. He played at Wake Forest. I think he's from Virginia, if I'm not mistaken. I'd have to go back and look. But like those two jobs seem to be the kinds of jobs that he could take. He's a smart dude. 
He was, you know, he went to a high academic school. He's been at Michigan, which is a high academic school, a place like Virginia, a place like Duke, not a lot of expectations. Those are the exact kinds of jobs a first time head coach like Josh Gaddis could land and outperform expectations and make a name for himself. Now that both of those jobs are filled, I, I don't see another one out there that makes sense for him. I mean, I don't even know what, what else is even open still at this point is temple like a temple job. It was open. I don't even know if it is at this point now. Virginia and Duke were the two that seemed yeah. like all right. Maybe that, that, that job. Virginia seemed like if if it was going to happen, I think Virginia was going to be. That seemed like that one caught fire pretty quick, and it seemed like North something Carolina, may happen there. You, North Carolina. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I I think I, at this point, I think he's probably going to stick around. But again, there's going to be plenty of people trying to get after him. But I, it's not going to be a lateral move. And so, if he's not taking a head coaching position somewhere, he's going to stay at Michigan. And you know. Who the hell knows what he's interested in or what he wants, but it's been a pretty damn good year in Michigan. And Michigan's a good job. Like, that's the other thing. Like, I know that there's this, you know, this idea that, I don't know, assistants are going to want to leave at the first drop of a hat. But, man, they're able to pay pretty well there at Michigan. The uh, the amenities are pretty good at the University of Michigan. Yeah. And so it's going to take a lot to lure him away. I mean, dude. You know, Josh Gaddis just won the Broyles Award. I mean, it would not be out of bounds for him to walk into Harbaugh's office and say, yo, I want to raise, man. I want to raise. I'm the best assistant in college football. Bump that up a little bit. That wouldn't be out of bounds. I don't know if he's going to do that, but Chris just had it. Chris just said it. I mean, Michigan's pockets aren't empty. Like, if, if they want to pay up for a coordinator or they want to pay up for a, a position coach, they can do that. And so, I mean, but, look, at yeah. all the toy, look at all the toys he's going to get to play with next year. You get That's J.J. Right. McCarthy back, you get Blake Corum back, you get A.J. Henning back, you get all these fun little tools to be able to play with. Seems I, know, it's, back. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I think he will stay now. I kind of – I don't know. I, I don't know. I felt like he was going to stay, and then all of a sudden his name popped up for that Virginia job, and I'm like, damn, he might actually be gone. I, I There's just, another guy. You know, this two – wait, maybe five weeks into the season? It was like, all right, Josh Gaddis, like – Thin ice now, you know, like yeah. time, time is running out. And now it's like, Jesus, I hope Josh Gaddis stays because Stop the, the, why the game has so changed. many field goals. Josh Gaddis, right. all a play that gets them in the end zone. And now look that at him. Royals award. I mean, right. like, what do you so the, the equation has changed. They've gotten better. They're, they're doing the job. It was cool to see Gaddis tonight. He was at the basketball game with his son. His son was decked out in a little Michigan Jersey and you know, they were having fun. Saw a loss. Unfortunately, but it, it's cool when you see a little bit more up close and a little more in person the the way that the recruiting visits take place. You've got the coaches with their wives and their kids and the families, and it really does turn into a pretty cool little event. So um, that was cool to see from a distance. Gaddis spending some time with his kid at the basketball game while they're doing a, a big recruiting visit. Um, Madeline, I think this is a good question, and I think it's something that Chris has been not not on more but i think you i feel like you've placed a lot of value on this all year and maybe maybe i just have a hard heart dude i don't know i never thought that this kind of stuff was that important in sports but it seemed to be really freaking important for this team this year what are our opinions on the underdog mentality you know what's it done for the team the regular season the playoffs ahead I'll I'll let you take it because I feel like you've you've been all over this pretty much all year. Kind of kind of goes hand in hand with the chemistry and the bond and all yeah. that stuff that they started talking. Yeah, it's about. done. It's done everything. It's it's the the again the I feel like yes there were some big time you know what big time there were some 
roster pieces that left Joe Milton, Giles Jackson. So there were some big parts of the team that left, but by and large, the talent really didn't change from last year to this year. The biggest difference I see is the mentality in this team. Michigan has always been talented for the last two decades. I've done a number of articles on this. You go back and you look at the recruiting rankings, go back to the year 2000 and year after year in the, within the big 10 conference, Michigan is usually one or two. I think they've been one or two, 17 out of the last 20 years or so. So they have talent there, but there has been something missing in the mentality of this team within the culture, within the locker room. And they spent a significant amount of time talking about it during the offseason. It was little things like playing music during the practice. And I remember even having a specific conversation with you, Brandon, saying like, if a lot of little things, if you can change a lot of little things, they'll add up to one big thing. And I honestly feel like the little things <laughs> – added up to one big thing and Jesus now they're in the now they're in the college football playoff and so to answer your question Madeline yeah I think the underdog mentality I think the fact that you know these guys they had to flip a switch internally and Jim Harbaugh said it the train was going down the tracks the wrong way and they had to pick it up and turn it around and everybody started pushing and I think the biggest difference this year was mentality 100% what up Josh Beckman there's another opportunity for some Sarah McLaughlin right there, and I didn't have it. I didn't have it <laughs> in the arms Chris, When Chris gets going on a on a on a chemistry underdog, love each other, brotherhood kind of vibe. Courtesy. I love this team. I love this team. All right, finish with this, man. Um, and then we'll we'll get out. Here we are at an hour. I said we weren't probably going to go an hour, but we're, we're there, here, there. I can't even believe there's people in here. Somebody asked me this on Twitter before the basketball game started, and I think it's worth discussing, and, and this will be another one of those things where I, I feel like bigger deals are made out of it than than need to be. But I want to get your opinion, Chris, and we'll, we'll end on this note because it's a little bit more specific to the upcoming game against Georgia and what's going on there. So Georgia's defensive coordinator is going to be the new head coach at Oregon, but he's going to coach through the playoffs. So he'll be there for the Michigan game. If they do win that game, they'll be there for the big for the uh, national title game. I had somebody straight up ask, like, you know, how distracting is that? What do you think that does to him for preparation for Michigan, and how how might that affect what their defense looks like? And you know, I, I just don't think it's that big of a deal. If he was going to be gone, maybe, but if he's going to stay, if he's going to stay there and and be on staff and be present throughout the entire playoffs. Yeah, he might be a little distracted. He, might, but like, dude, when you're a college coach and you're a DC and you're getting ready to be a head coach, like, winning a national title is a pretty big, pretty big priority. I, yeah. I just don't think that even though he knows, all right, in a couple of weeks, I'm going to be in Eugene. I'm going to be the new Ducks head coach. I got some business to take care of first. I don't think it's going to be even remotely detectable in the game. Yeah, I don't think so too. I think when you get to this level, when you're when you're dealing with these type of athletes who have who have gotten this far, I just don't think something like this is going to be enough to to throw off the whole thing. So, yeah, I mean, I think it's an interesting talking point. I'm glad that it's happening as opposed to not happening. I'll I'll take whatever little edge I think Michigan can get, but at the end of the day, I don't think it's going to be the kind of edge that's going to be the difference between a win or a loss. Um, but <laughs> you know, it it's one of those things where Michigan is playing like a complete team right now. Everybody is bought in. And if they go up against somebody where even the boat might be maybe just a little unsteady, that could be all it takes.
I thought of two things when this question was asked to me. One of them was almost exactly what you just said. I think you, if you're a Georgia fan, you'd much rather it not be happening. Like you'd rather it not be happening. I don't think it's that big of a deal, but if you know that your defensive coordinator, who's been really freaking good this year, I believe was also up for the Broyles award is, is, you know, got, got a foot out the door, then that's not ideal, but he's, he's staying there. He's going to be playing. He's going to be present and around his guys. And I, I just don't think it's that it's that big of a deal on the flip side. This was where my mind immediately went, even with, the Virginia job being filled and the Duke job being filled. Would you, as a fan of Michigan or as a fan of Georgia, would you rather be a Georgia fan where your defensive coordinator knows he's going to be gone, but he has a task at hand to handle first or a Michigan fan where Josh Gaddis is thinking, am I going to get another look? Who else out there is looking at me? Can I maybe find a head coaching job? I want to go. What about that job? That job might open up. There's certainty with the Georgia defensive coordinator that he's going to be gone. That's a no it's known. He's been hired. He's the new head coach. Is he a little bit distracted? Maybe how distracted is Josh Gaddis wondering if he's going to get another look, if he's going to get another call, is he stressing over why didn't I get a better shot at that Virginia job? Why didn't Duke even give me a phone interview or a, you know, whatever. I just think that both of those dynamics are kind of interesting. Is that, is that weird to think about that? And, and how much difference, if any, is there between those two situations? Yeah, I just I, I go back to what I said before, man. I think these guys, like at this level, you can handle your business and you can lock in. And I think be able to. You, you said, and I think you brought up the point earlier that winning a national championship is a big deal. Like if you're a coordinator yeah. and you can put that on your resume, like this is a big deal. So I think you get this far along in the season, even if there's other opportunities and you're wondering what's coming again. Michigan's a pretty cushy job. Josh Gaddis has got it pretty good there. If he wants to stay in Ann Arbor, that's a that's a pretty good consolation prize and and as opposed to getting a head coaching job somewhere. So I'm not worried about it at all. If it were like which side, like fan, where you know, what what situation's worse? Probably Georgia. Probably Georgia, because I just think everything's working right for Michigan right now. I think they are that train is moving. They're all on the same page, and it's dangerous for anybody that gets in front of them. Yeah, fair point. There you have it. We'll wrap up on that. Uh, yeah, there, there is also the fact that Will Muschamp, who's a former head coach himself and a very good defensive mind, is going to be taking over and already is involved as far as I know. So, like, yeah, they're, they're, look, like I said, if you're a Georgia fan, you'd rather it not be happening, but I don't think it's going to have much effect, if any, on the team and on the field and on the preparation. So there you go. I can tell you it's not going to have any effect on me. That's true. And, and how I am in Miami. So I'm gonna just suited and booted, dude, ready to roll. Uh, just, just uh, half my torso in a trash can, probably. Looking for whatever we can find. Looking for whatever. Just, just Me and Chris have been talking about just a wild series of events. Going to the pool in a full length, long sleeves, fat guy swim shirt. It's gonna be. I mean, we're gonna be full dad bod in Miami. So all white lemon pepper steppers on dude, whatever we can find for the footwear, maybe, maybe a gold chain hanging down into the taco meat, the taco meat a little bit. Nah, we'll, we'll see. It's a kid's show, Chris. Let's keep it gangster. It's 1045. It better not yeah, be a kid's right. show. Kids are in bed tonight. Balls. Sorry. Look at that, man. Thanks for joining us, everybody that decided to stay up with us almost till 11 o'clock. We will be back now on Monday. Uh, we've debated 
I'm backing down off of the three shows a week thing. I guess we'll put some feelers out there a little bit, but with no football, it's just not quite the same. I mean, look, me and Chris can get on here and bullshit like whatever, but we're we're out we're our, we are looking into that a little bit. We'll see if we back it down just a touch, but. Definitely appreciate everybody sticking around with us tonight on the late show, and we'll be back on uh, on Monday night to continue talking about whatever might need to be talked about, whatever pops up. You know, if anybody's got any outfit recommendations for me and Chris down in Miami, we'll see what happens. Thanks for listening, everybody. Take care. Almost tried to do a touch screen on my laptop.